0: Welcome to 50 Date Night Screams. I'm Amber
1: Tresca. And I'm Mike Tresca. We're a married couple who decide to celebrate our 50th birthdays by watching some old movies.
0: A lot of old movies. Join us as we watch 50 movies on our date nights and have fun dissecting them.
1: As a bonus, each episode is accompanied by an original character I created and designed for use in your tabletop role-playing games.
0: Many of the movies we watch are unrated, but this podcast is not. 50 Date Night Screams contains mature themes and is intended for adult audiences. So take care when listening. Plus, there are spoilers. Check the show notes to see where you can watch this movie before you listen.
1: We're glad you're here. Have a seat, grab a glass of your favorite beverage, and get ready to scream along with us. Uh, Stalin products
0: have always been thought of as something of a, a modern miracle in the cosmetics trade a firm built to a multi-million dollar a year business on the strength and appeal of, of one person, Janice Starlin. From the beginning right through until February of this year, only one woman's face was used to advertise those products. Your face, Miss Starlin. The public have come to accept you as a, as a symbol. Well, now, after 16 years, they see a different face. They, they don't trust it. They feel
1: cheated. The simple fact is that Stalin Cosmetics should have Janice Stalin's picture advertising them.
0: Welcome to Fifty Date Night Screams. This is episode twenty-four, "The Wasp Woman" from nineteen fifty-nine. I'm here with my co-host and husband, Mike. How are you, Mike?
1: I'm good, beautiful. We're almost at our twenty-fifth podcast anniversary.
0: <laughs> I this really weird.
1: <laughs> what are you going to get me?
0: Uh... <laughs> some jokes about movies I really <laughs>
1: yeah, I, that's I, what I was gonna I, get I got you. nothing like we remain for each other
0: if, if you're gonna tell me that this is now another anniversary <laughs> for which I need to plan and shop for um i I'm out like not gonna happen we may have
1: so. a real life murder on our hands yeah
0: <laughs> i I
1: look I can't murder you yeah you need me at least for another 25 episodes
0: Okay, well. (laughs) I was just saying I can't be caught murdering you. Oh, yeah. yeah. I would have to use maybe some of the tips and tricks that we've learned along this odyssey of 24 movies.
1: I'll tell you what, if you want to turn to a sexy wasp woman and kill me, I'm okay with it. So, I've accepted it.
0: Well... I don't think that I have a prototype because I would not say that the Wasp Woman is sexy. The main character and some of the other you know, people in the movie might be a little sexy. I don't know. I wasn't really viewing it through that lens. <laughs> There's no sex in this movie. So, But I will tell you what is in this movie, the content warnings. Uh, Some of the things I'm not really sure how to apply, so I'm going to do the best I can. So for the Wasp Woman, I am going to say that the content warnings are animal cruelty, drug use, murder, duh, and body shaming. For lack of a better way of putting it, it's a little more nuanced than that, but it does, I think, fit. Into that content
1: warning. so Yeah, kind of ageism is probably in the body shimmy. Ageism. ageism.
0: All right. Let me put that in the notes as well Mm -hmm. because, yeah, ageism is a thing. It's kind of ridiculous. All right. Let's talk about this movie. I'll give you the stats. It is The Wasp Woman. The year is 1959. It is black and white. The director, Roger Corman. All right. So that's a name that many people... Might know, and it might give you some clues about this movie. It has a 4.8 out of 10 on IMDb. I feel like that's a little low. I really do, compared with some of the other movies that we have reviewed in this series, which also were in the mid-fours. This is a much better movie than those are, I'm going to say. All right, the hilarious tagline is, A beautiful woman by day, a lusting queen wasp. By night, that does not describe this movie at all.
1: (laughs) There's the there goes your sex. That's the sexiest the whole movie. That's the
0: sexiest this movie. But they didn't
1: catch his bloodlust. That's what they really meant.
0: Oh, Mm -hmm. okay. Well, I did not get that. All right. Big difference in the language between 1959 Mm. and you know. I think I
1: think they knew what they were doing. I think. Oh well, yeah, (laughs) yeah,
0: Yeah, but they could get away with it. I think. Ironically, maybe. Today, I mean, that would be the tagline for a porn
1: yeah, or a yeah, softcore yeah. or something oh. like that.
0: Like, you wouldn't we'll say get it that to way.
1: Vampire Night orgy and be very disappointed as well, so it's fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that makes me think of um, what we do in the shadows where they have the vampire orgy and it just does not go down. <laughs> such a funny show, such a funny movie. If you have not seen them, watch them immediately, if not sooner. Whenever I read old novels, they sometimes use this turn of phrase Well, they'll say uh, made love. They'll say like, oh, he made love to me or whatever. They don't mean sex. They mean kind of just like what we would call making out or canoodling or
1: canoodling.
0: something like that. It's not actually doing the deed, going to home base. What are some other metaphors? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
1: Biting off your prey. Oh, I'm sorry. That's the wasp. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Let's give the brief summary. The head of a major cosmetics company experiments on herself with a youth formula made from royal jelly extracted from wasps. But the formula's side effects have deadly consequences. We're going to get into it, Mike. We're going to get into it. Just.
1: All right. I'm I'm going to. I'm going to. Take a sip. Take a sip. Hold on to
0: those horses. We will get there. All right. The story opens on a bee farm. And uh, one of their employees, it turns out, his name is Dr. Eric Zinthrop, has been experimenting on wasps. So the company that he works for is not happy about that. They are a bee farm. And so they fire him. And he kind of very sadly speaks to his wasps, his queen wasp, I think, in particular. And says i'm sorry but we're like we're gonna make it like you you and me we're gonna we're gonna do this so he's gotta he's gotta move on um and i would just like to point out that that paragraph that i just uh wrote and spoke for this was 15 minutes of the movie
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of walking a lot of scenes of people being like hey jim hey dr zinthrop (laughs) there's a lot of like just
0: Those guys in the beginning, just they don't show up again. They're not born. Yeah. It's all fine. So, all right. Something I want to talk about here, though, is Dr. Zinthrop because the actor was actually born in Russia. I don't know when he came to the United States. So he does have an accent of a sort. And so I wanted to ask you, Mike, about the idea that this might be playing into a little bit of this mad scientist trope this you know eastern european mad scientist thing and given that this was 1959 that might be particularly on purpose i guess is what i would say about that
1: absolutely i mean this is despicable me got it from somewhere and uh, it's this concept right which is that you've got sort of a combination of uh loose ethics and standards and brilliant science, cutting edge science that's not necessarily uh, (laughs) being monitored or regulated. So um, I would say that Corman, who loves to talk about the most mundane things sometimes, does provide quite a bit of background to this, which is that apparently wasps and bees are not the same. Who knew? And that uh, he's using them ethically. So it does set up a little bit of of the movie, but it's sort of a weird kind of uh, flagged a plant about a mad scientist who just happens to love wasps a lot. But I mean, look, you certainly can see the through line. You can see it's it's about wasp women. We know who this guy is. We see that he's not doing bee stuff. He's doing wasp stuff, presumably, by the way, because there's no wasp industry that I know of. Um, So they sort of had to start somewhere. So I think it serves its purpose while cleverly injecting a little bit of the mad scientist sort of 19... 20s kind of trope, so I get it. I I don't begrudge it, and it does work in at least in the. We'll get into that, but Zinthrop's surprisingly uh, fleshed out, actually, compared to everybody else. He's got a fairly <laughs> detailed backstory, and and uh, doesn't do the things you'd expect as a mad scientist might.
0: Right, which to me, he's actually not a bad scientist. Like it's kind of set up that way. He gets fired, I think, basically for being a significant financial draw on the company without producing any results or any results that the his manager was looking to see because there were results but the manager was like this is not what we're looking for here
1: he's an eccentric scientist
0: exactly yeah eccentric okay so moving along the we go to an office it's just it's very suddenly you're in a different movie you know Uh, We're in an office meeting room. It's so funny how that immediately makes me like, oh, just like having been in so many of those meetings, because one thing that I think was conveyed really effectively was the tense atmosphere of this meeting, like from the get go, you could tell like this is not a happy time that they're having here. And so this is where we meet Janice Starlin. She's the head of a cosmetics company. and she has also been the face of the company. They don't really specify how, but I'm imagining that she is on the TV commercials. She may uh, be the face that is on the boxes, that type of thing. So sales have been lagging, and one of her employees, they're in the boardroom with her during this meeting, says it's because Janice has stepped down as the face of the brand. They also don't say okay then who is the face of the brand or did they do something different and move away from for instance using a model on a show that's on I want to say it's on Netflix there is a storyline in the show a, a Grace Gracie and Fra- Frankie and Grace there's a storyline in the show where they own a cosmetics company and the same thing happens. They decide to go to move away from that 1970s one of the owners of the company is the is the face of the brand happens to be, you know, a model and is on all the boxes and everything and then they come up with like a logo type of a thing. It is a big bone of contention. It was not really something that I had thought about before, but it is kind of a big deal. If you if it is your company and you founded it, perhaps after having a successful modeling career, which is probably over by the time you're 24, then that would be that would be a lot. And then you suddenly stepping down from that role certainly would have an effect. But here's the thing. Janice feels like she's aged out of the role. And in this meeting, they don't really come to a solution about what to do about this situation. It's just a very tense. Meeting and kind of boring to watch. (laughs) There's
1: a lot of that. That sums up many of the scenes. But there's a power dynamic because she's a woman in charge of these men, right? So there's all these men telling her her business. But they're also afraid of her a little bit because she is the CEO of the company. Um, So they don't actually come out and say, you are too old. You don't sell the brand. Like that's either internalized or implied. There's nobody saying straight to her face. I don't think they would dare was the point. So a lot of what happens after, I think you could argue, is very much a comment on the nature of the industry and transparency and authenticity and, and sort of, you know, how much do you have to be the brand or can you fake the brand or can the brand be something abstract? And certainly Janice takes it to heart, right? So whatever the implied way it was done, and there was sort of this young buck who just spouts off and he's like, I'm going to say it. Um, and then what he says is, exactly what you said, which was, well, you stepped down. That's when sales went down. He doesn't really exactly say what I think she hears, which is I stepped down because I couldn't, I've aged out of what I consider to be our brand. And now she's looking at potentially financial ruin, which I don't know if the company's that bad off. I didn't think it was that dangerous either, but I don't know that the stakes were raised to the level that requires what comes later. Um, But she certainly takes it to heart that she's going to have to do something and it's got to be her. Can't be anybody else.
0: Yeah, I think this was self imposed. She decided to step down. She was feeling like it was time, and that even she couldn't be as young as she was when she started the company anymore. I mean, to me, you just use the same photos. Like, don't you have a bazillion photo? Like, if that's what you were doing. You've probably got tons of stuff, right? And your photographers didn't think of that. Nobody said to you, let's take a lot more stuff. We really don't know what we're going to need it for in the future, but let's just have it. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I don't know why it's stuck in my mind. There was a 14% loss in sales, which is a lot. That super sucks. But maybe you scale the business. I don't. I don't know, but it sure is a problem and something that needs to be solved. But she does say, I can't do it anymore. Uh, gravity is going to hit me the same as it hits everybody else. So I do have to say, I think the actress, I thought I put it in my notes, but now I don't see it in my notes. I think the actress was 32 years old. (laughs) So just keep that in mind as you're watching this movie. And I didn't notice it on the first viewing, which was on our TV, which was pretty big, but I noticed it on my second viewing on the computer, the makeup that they put on her to make her look older. So they put these like darker like lines on her forehead and under her eyes and then I think around her mouth. And it does have the effect of making her look a little bit older, but kind of in a weird way.
1: She looked tired. That's more she than... She looked yeah, tired. Yeah, she didn't look older. She also talks differently.
0: Yes, and she, she had a very flat affect, right? In this and part that the changes
1: movie. later. But she definitely sort of like, kind of is just depressing when she she has conversations. And and again, all, what you don't realize until you sort of see the entirety of it is it's this is all sleight of hand to make her look older.
0: Right. It, uh, it was the comparison. At the ripe
1: Old age of thirty two. I
0: know. At thirty two. <laughs> Oof. <laughs> all right. So now our Doctor Zinthrop as. Back as we knew he would be. So, what's he doing? I think a clever viewer would have already started to put this together. He presents the results of his research to Janice. All right, what he has discovered is that the royal jelly from a queen wasp, hold Mike, can be used as an anti aging serum. He has been experimenting on animals. For instance, he has a cat, which he gave the serum to, and then it ages down. To a kitten.
1: Janice, and, and he has a guinea pig right. that turns into a mouse. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't think I caught that. Yeah. I was yeah. focused on the cat. I, All
1: yeah. right.
0: So Janice is really excited about this, and she asks Dr. Zinthrop to test his serum on her. Okay, Mike,
1: wasps, royal jelly, queens, go.
0: Ah,
1: uh, why? It's not hard to figure out. Wasps don't produce royal jelly. The end. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Now, just a little bit further. Wasps, there is some science that says that wasps larvae who are fed rich protein prey do potentially grow up to be more powerful. That's it. There is no jelly. <laughs> None. None. There is none. I don't know why this movie did this other than maybe to get the wasp connection going, but there is no such thing. Now I'm done. Thank you. Oh, wow. That was quick.
0: But there's um, nothing else to
1: say. It doesn't exist. It's not a thing. I don't. Just...
0: Yeah, because the wasps will feed a particular larvae with better food and that one grows larger and grows into... The queen which is also frankly kind of terrifying because uh, think about this think if there was an abundance if there was no resource restriction and all of these drones could then go out and get all of the best food and feed it to all of the larvae we'd have all of these giant <laughs>
1: all right i'm hitting on something here are you ready all right ready. mind to be blown <laughs> okay you're ready there may be a metaphor here that in the wasp, which we will get to the feeding is feeding on the young that that's what she, the wear wasp is doing
0: what wear wasp
1: the what well, i am using the phrase the wasp the wasp woman that she's feeding on the youth like oh. literally literally feeding on the young
0: all right well let's keep going and as we get to that part
1: but it's not jelly maybe not we j- can
0: noodle through that no it's not like the royal jelly which is a thing that is used in various i mean you know People use it for whatever they use it for. I don't know that it actually has any really great effect. We have much better cosmic cuticles now. I'm not sure that royal jelly is a, a, where it's at anymore.
1: Yes, 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 we are making progress. There's great improvement in the tissue.
0: Why is it taking so long? It's the third week.
1: <laughs> you forget, my dear, there's more to you than a little kitten now. Besides, there's a difference in metabolism.
0: Why not increase the dosage? Wouldn't that step up the process? Patience, my dear patience. We must tread lightly with care, Your arm, please. Okay, so now that we are through that little uh scientific part <laughs> of this it did bother me, it did bother me. But she can't be a bee. Like Bees are like, I don't know. Now they have this thing that they're cute. Wasps are fucking assholes. They deserve to exist, but I don't want them anywhere near me.
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're going to make somebody a villain of that... Yeah, insect world. The wasps are at where it's at. So
0: yeah, we're all on board with that. Yeah. We we yeah. like bees. Wasps can go fuck themselves. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I gave a content warning. All right. So Janice's employees are not happy about this situation about this Dr. Zinthrop in the office. They think he's a quack. They're trying to spy on him, and they do find out some information because they're snooping around in Janice's office. And they find a document, but it doesn't really lead to anything. And at this point, on my second viewing, I noticed something interesting because they're setting up Dr. Zinthrop's uh, lab in the office there. We never see the official hired chemist man where his office is. We just see Dr. Zinthrop's. And there's this sort of jaunty music And then we're seeing like workmen come and they're delivering stuff and they're setting everything up. And I'm like, have we seen a montage like this in this series of films? I feel like it's a little early for this. And I was kind of wondering about it and when it became sort of a a film staple, that uh, a montage. Definitely, maybe not in horror movies. I don't think you see it too much in horror movies. You see it in rom-coms. You see it in, in comedies. Dramas, you kind of... At the end or at a key pivot point. But this, you know, montage, we're putting together the lab, you know, that I, it just struck me that I hadn't seen it too many times before.
1: Well, and this goes back to Zinthrop is, is not a side character. He's not sort of just like, I mean, he does eventually get sidelined, but it's not, he's, he's got a sort of rich background and he has a lot of say. He's, he's pretty important to the company. Um, so this is a little bit of moving the plot along without having to do a lot of science because it's pretty clear somebody's bad at science in the script writing department. Um, but it does, it does establish that he he's expensive. I mean, this came out, right? This was the beginning of that whole conversation, which was that his lab and all the resources was costing the company money in the bee farm. And he was doing wasp stuff. So now he's at a pharmaceutical – excuse me, a, well, cosmetics company – Doing sort of more of this kind of work, uh, and it requires equipment. So I think it, it it established what it set out to do, which was without getting technical and showing what the actual stuff was, uh, quickly just showing him being like, hey, you know, he's moving in and he's got a lot of science. Science, he's doing sciency stuff. So I I do get that.
0: Yeah, I didn't put together the the money involved. Although his his lab at the bee farm kind of looked like a shack, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well now he's moving on up. Oh he's I mean, this on is, up.
0: <laughs> this is big money, yo. Yeah. All right. So Janice is going to take the injections of this serum that is made from the wasp jelly. And nothing's happening though. I think I think Dr. Zinthrop says to her, You look five weeks five five years younger type of thing. Which if she were thirty-two, the difference between twenty-seven and thirty-two that is, that is kind of a lot. 29 well, is when love, stuff starts he, to
1: hit the fan. He's also like, we should take it slow. We have never done this before. He's like an eminently reasonable scientist. He's like, let's not be hasty. And, you know, that's not good enough for her. But he's very clear on the consequences and, and saying, let's see how this goes. And look, five years is a big difference. And I don't know how long that had been. If he says how long they had been at it, when you sort of see that conversation, three weeks, three, three weeks—that's weeks. and a huge I deal. and I
0: don't know how many injections she received and how far apart they right. were, et etc.
1: So it's a pretty big deal. One of the problems this film has is it just doesn't create the urgency because I was like, everybody's being pretty reasonable. Like I agree with him, okay, and three weeks with five years—that's huge. Why I think rush it's it? huge, right? We'd... But then why rush it? Why why say that's not enough?
0: I know. It's like you spent 30 years getting those lines on your face. Three weeks to take them off? Seems pretty good. And yes, Dr. Zinthrop is not a mad scientist. No. He invented something that works. This is not ethical, what they're doing. It's not ethical. But he had her full consent. And he, did, he wanted to take it as slow as she would let him, I guess, is yeah. what we're saying here. So, and probably for him, it's probably the first time he's ever had somebody believe in him and be so excited and, you know, full support. And he doesn't have to work in the shack anymore.
1: (laughs) In the wasp shack. In the wasp shack. Baby wasp shack.
0: Baby wasp (laughs) shack. All right. So, Janice is like, "Uh uh-uh, not good enough for me. So, she sneaks into the lab and gives herself the injections. So, then... After a few days, she comes into the office looking younger, acting more upbeat. And the way that the movie achieved this through their stellar makeup team. Sorry, people, if you're still alive. I love all of you, but this was funny to me. They take off the lines off of her face and she comes in and she smiles. And that the actress, she's beautiful. When she smiles, seriously, I mean something is lost over film. I think in person that woman walking into a room smiling like that and giving off the 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 cheerful affect that she had when the serum actually started working would it would stop time in the room like for sure. So they actually did do a lot to make her look older. It was just kind of funny because she re- she just looked like a young woman. That they put some makeup
1: on to make her look a little older.
0: And I kind of feel like they didn't have better at that time. Like, truly.
1: Roger's all about getting it done fast.
0: Everybody's excited. They're going to use the serum in a face cream. They know it's going to sell really well. Yeah, it would. Um, There's never any discussion, though, of how they're going to scale it up and have enough wasps to make a product. Um, But anyway, the new advertising campaign is Grow Younger with Janice Starlin. Now, we go back to the lab. Stuff starts to go bad. We're at about 40 minutes into the movie now. And the cat, the cat who became the kitten, has now turned into some kind of wasp-like cat thing. And the cat attacks Dr. Zinthrop. And he does end up killing it.
1: Sort of flailing around with a puppet.
0: Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Well, it bothered me. I mean, I didn't like it. The music was very dramatic. And it was like, oh, you know. So, and Dr. Zinthrop is upset. And so he kind of leaves the office that night, presumably to go home. He's crossing the street. He gets hit by a car.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: Yeah. So poor Janice. Now Janice is like having headaches. The, the, you know, the grab your head. Oh, no, I have a headache. Acting headaches. And she can't find Dr. Zenthrop to talk to him about it. And she decides to hire a detective to find him. I don't know. It's the first thing I would do. I, I guess. We now have another montage. <laughs> of the men detecting.
1: I love this phrase. Let's watch people detect.
0: They're detecting.
1: <laughs> for like five minutes.
0: It goes on. I didn't write down the timestamps, but it does go on. I don't think it's necessary, but it's fine. Uh, you got the music again. So they do find him eventually. They find him at a hospital. Uh, but a few days later, Janice decides to bring him back to the office. And she hires a nurse to care for him because he's had he's had this head injury. So he does need some time. To recover and to her, no, not in the hospital. You can come back to the office and recover. Totally normal.
1: I have to say, though, this conceit works better than so many we've seen. We've seen a few of them where like, people either just for time reasons or stupidity reasons don't come back into the picture. This does two things. It brings Zinthram back intentionally, but it also makes him impaired, as he should be. Um, so I, I have to say from a plot perspective, I appreciated it because for a little while we thought they weren't going to find him, right? Or the normal thing you see is he dies, right? He dies and then that's it. His, whatever he was trying to discover is gone. It does the movie doesn't take either of those tacks. It brings him back, uh, but with an injury. So he can't really enunciate what the issue is. And I think that works. It works well, even though it's a horribly unwise and unethical decision, but you know, why start now?
0: Well, yeah, I'm also like, well, I mean, nobody can keep you in the hospital. You can leave whenever you want to leave. But he wasn't capable of making that decision on his own. Janice just decided, and that was all right. I don't know if he was married, had kids. Next of kin, none of that comes into play here. It's just Janice is like, this is what we're doing, you know? Rich people. She definitely commands every situation and tells people what to do. Yeah. And they do it. Um, But I will say, the rest of the movie can't happen the way that it does if she does not bring him back to the office. So it kind of has to go down this way, and he cannot be cognizant. He cannot be in control. He still has to be recovering from this head injury and not really knowing what's going on. In the meantime, while all of the detecting and the head injuries are going on, You've got the the scientist who is officially on staff. His name is Arthur Cooper. He has gone over Zinthrop's notes, and he goes back to the lab to snoop some more.
1: This is the guy with the pipe, right? The 1950s. Guy with the pipe. He's very like, I don't Something's fishy. (laughs) He's very 1950. He's like the most 1950s guy that we've seen in films like this. He's very suit handsome, graying, and always with a pipe, and and very skeptical, a man of science who's very skeptical of all this. Yeah, I know.
0: I mean, he doesn't point out that wasps don't make jelly, but, you know, I don't know. He makes cosmetics. Maybe he doesn't know anything about wasps. Uh, You know, I guess he couldn't look it up. Um, But, yeah, you know, something that we didn't really discuss yet was the fact that everybody in this movie smokes i think if oh, you yeah. show this on tv that would be a content warning is smoking because of kids don't smoke people kids.
1: smoke and like blow it in each other's feet th- like, like everybody's smoking. smoking like smoking to the point that like i don't know how you can see anything or not cough in somebody else's face smoking but they're
0: all well, they're all very cool
1: smokers they're all yeah, very oh, yeah.
0: like i can smoke and i don't cough and yeah it doesn't make me sick and like yeah. none of that it just makes me good looking and skinny. I guess, until you get to the point where you're not anymore because it ages
1: your face. The 50s.
0: The 50s. (laughs) Okay, so Arthur Cooper, poor Arthur Cooper is in the lab. And who does he encounter? For the very first time, we get a look at the Wasp Woman. Janice has turned into the Wasp Woman and she murders Arthur Cooper. Only now Janice has injected all of the serum. Now as now human Janice is panicking. And then the next person to disappear is a night watchman who kind of putters around the office, kind of <laughs> a little bit of maybe supposed to be comic relief, because this movie is very serious. Um it has very little comic relief. And we've
1: never seen this guy until just before he died. He's in
0: like two scenes. <laughs> Like, he's in, like, one little scene where they show him, like, unlocking the lab or locking the lab or whatever. And then he's back, like, right before he goes missing. We don't see him murdered. What we see is Zenthrop and his nurse in another location in the office hearing him scream. And Zentrup is like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. And the nurse is like, shh, you're just dreaming. You're just dreaming. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right, baby. Shh. That's probably an awesome job for her, too, so gosh i don't I don't know if the nurse has a name anyway, um, if she does, I didn't write it down. All right, now we've got one of the board members, Bill Lane, and Janice's assistant. Her name is Mary Dennison, and they're dating. Of course, they're dating. They go to the lab because they're worried about Cooper. Cooper hasn't been seen in a few days. Janice doesn't send a detective after him, huh. Wonder why. So they find Cooper's pipe in the lab. So once again, a pipe playing a key role in the plot of the movie. All right, we're now at one hour and two minutes into the movie of a one hour and twelve minute movie. All right. So everything that happens, everything we talk about from here on out, it's ten minutes. Okay? Janice goes to Zinthrop and he's not still not quite right. She begs him to make more serum. She describes her headaches. He can't do anything. He's not right. Janice then freaks out again, turns into a wasp woman, and attacks the nurse. Zinthrop watches the murder. All right, so now our uh, cub detectives, Bill and Mary, they have now put it together. They think Cooper and the Watchman have both been murdered, and they're like, Zinthrop must know something. So they go to his bedside and they notice the nurse's bloody clothes on the couch. Zinthrop is raving about the cat and Janice. And Bill says to Mary, I don't know what's going on. We got to do something here. Go and find Janice. All right. I don't know why they couldn't call her, but uh, he sends her to to find Janice. So Mary goes to Janice in her office and tries to convince her to go to the police. Janice, of course,
1: refuses and takes Mary to the lab. Now, this is important because up to this point, I was willing to assume that Janice was having involuntary transformations, that she was murdering people uncontrollably, and that either she didn't know what she was doing or was sort of a Hulk situation. She was trying to control it.
0: Or Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde situation.
1: Right, right. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm using what the, the, new, the new, what the cool kids talk about, not J- Jekyll and Hyde. But yes, Jekyll and Hyde being the original archetype. But the point being, this now makes it clear there's culpability on her part that she is covering up and or well aware of what she's doing. And certainly, look, there's lots of things she could do and none of them involve her trying to stop this or turn herself in or otherwise get help other than to continue what she was doing. So it's sort of interesting because uh, you could have easily not had that conversation and still left it open that she was sort of a person of circumstance that unfortunately unraveled. But at that point now, she's definitely kind of a villain. Um, she's crossed an ethical line for sure. Not, I mean, up to that point was with her own life. Now she's very much basically willing to murder anybody who gets in her way. So she's going to eat, it. and we don't even know, by the way, what happens. Um, I think there's a lot of theories and reviews because people keep saying there's no bodies. Is she eating the entire corpse? That's what wasps do. Um, so maybe, but she's doing something to cover all this up and it's, it's intentional.
0: Yes. At the, at this point it is intentional because she's not going to let anybody get in the way of her fountain of youth that she has discovered. All right. So nobody's calling the police. Janice and Mary are in the lab. Zinthrop then Puts it all together and tells Bill everything that he knows up to that point. But then they hear Mary start screaming. So now they rush to Janice's office. And she is the Wasp woman. And, they're, and they struggle. <laughs> what I wrote down in my notes was about how <laughs> there's this upbeat horn music during the whole fight scene. It's very... It is a little like minor key discordant a little bit, but just like horn music during this is a little, I don't know, it's kind of like struck me a little wrong.
1: Well, Roger was involved with Night Tide. I still don't remember if he wrote it or what he was involved with, but he certainly was involved with Night Tide. Night Tide is all jazz flute. All
0: jazz. My favorite. And this felt
1: like that. This felt like like sort of like do some jazz on a horn kind of like it's like, bleh, bleh, like it's, just, it's meant to be dissonant i think and, and sort of make you on edge but pop probably to modern listeners it just sounds like a kind of a uh, like you said upbeat it doesn't come off quite as scary as they were hoping now part of that's because they're really trying hard to sell the mask and two gloves that is the wasp woman and uh, I don't think it works. So. Oh no!
0: <laughs> she's pretty horrible looking. Mm. I mean, especially for a woman who was super desperate to hang on to what she looked like in her twenties. She was going to age well, like I could tell, looking at her. She was going to age really well, but that wasn't that wasn't cool with her. She wasn't happy about that, and so now she's really gross. So, <laughs> in a lot of these movies. You hear the music and it sounds faintly familiar. So they're either using maybe a classical track and I'm not well versed enough to recognize what they all are. Or they created stuff that was sort of close, you know, far enough away that nobody would sue you. But close enough that you could, it still kind of sounds like something you already know. This music was like unpleasant. You, like not what you would want to be listening to, and I say that as a person who owns the soundtracks of many horror movies and enjoys listening to them while I'm writing
1: it might have maybe it was supposed to represent sort of the buzzing of wasps for all well
0: that yes that and that's another point is that every time you see the wasp woman, you heard that buzzing of wasps well. Look, I can't say. I can't say exactly what, whether it was wasps or bees. You were hearing buzzing. Look, I'm like, I'm questioning everything, especially <laughs> a foley. I'm going to question the foley because it's probably a lot easier to get the bee sound. But that, I think, was, I don't know if it would be a natural choice. Like, I don't know if it would occur to anyone to do that. I, I think it was a great choice. I, it definitely was like, oh, shit. She's a wasp. You know, I mean, it definitely gave you that because I think we all have that in the back of our head. When you hear that buzzing, it tells you that maybe you should, you know, heads up, everybody. And so you that definitely comes through in the movie. And I certainly reacted that way. All right. So they're struggling. And in the lab, and because we're in a lab, Zinthrop grabs a bottle of carbolic acid which causes chemical burns. So he throws it at the wasp woman, Janice. It kind of slows her down for a minute. Bill then grabs one of those lab stools and pushes her out the window, and Janice falls to her death. I read a couple of reviews that got this wrong. Janice does not fall out of the window on her own. Bill absolutely pushes her Out of the window. I don't feel like that was his only choice. I feel like maybe he could have tried something else. She was probably a hundred pound wasp woman that he could have taken. (laughs) But that was what he chose to do. Okay. And it turns out Mary is okay. Or at least gives the appearance of being okay. Bill takes her in his arms. And Zinthrop has collapsed in the corner. (laughs) Don't know if he's okay or not. The end. <laughs> very, very classic monster movie. Very classic monster movie.
1: Yeah. And so now I go back to, let's pretend that we know how bees and wasps work and that wasps eat other insects. Could there be a case made that the wasp woman was devouring the, u- the younger members of her company? Now, Zintra doesn't fit that mold. Although she 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 doesn't go after him. him. Well, she needs him anyway.
0: Yes, but she is at least in control enough to not... Why not eat the nurse and then eat him?
1: Yeah. So there could be a case made that there's supposed to be some wasp-like behavior where she's not just trying to be useful. She's seeing the younger people in her company as a threat to her or, frankly, as a means to an end that, you know, once you blur the ethical lines of hyper-de-aging and selling this cream to people, why not, you know, what What won't you do? So I, it's an interesting point. This movie, because of the way it was written, sort of elevates itself way more than, frankly, what it could be, which is a bog-standard monster movie in a lot of ways. It's, it's a person in a mask and two gloves who uh, doesn't do a whole lot most of the time, but because of who it is... And the backstory actually makes it, really gives it a different spin.
0: Yeah, for sure. It didn't occur to me that she was eating younger people or just people. I mean, I'm sure she could have eaten other things, but that people might be the highest quality food source that she had access to. And that would make sense. Yeah. Because that would help her grow. We don't see her change into the Wasp Woman. We don't really know how that happens. It did seem to be... She'd be, she'd get distressed and turn. So, your your Hulk analogy might be accurate. What I did think was interesting about this movie, especially for nineteen fifty nine, was the way that power dynamics were depicted. I guess, I guess you'd probably say that this movie was feminist because she was in control. She was in control of everything the whole time. She got everything she wanted from everybody in the movie. There was nobody that told her no. She was the H B I C and. She absolutely made Zinthrop do things that he didn't want to do. Look, everyone has a choice to walk away, even like your dream job, amazing opportunities, etc. When someone is asking you to do something unethical, the right choice is to walk away, right? But it's difficult to do that, I think, especially after you, ha- you and your work have been minimized the entire time and somebody finally believes in you and is investing in you heavily, And this is an important person that would that would be very difficult to walk away from. But she victimizes him. I did find that part of it to be interesting, because usually you see the mad scientist character victimizing a woman, usually a beautiful young woman.
1: Yeah, that again, the gender and power dynamics are definitely flipped. And it's really interesting to see it because it does elevate this in ways that I just don't think you normally see. So for this very quick one-hour drive-in movie, it surprisingly got some depth to it. There's not a lot of time, right? It's an hour. We always joke about how much character development happens in an hour and makes you wonder why we tolerate three-hour movies who don't even pull off that sometimes. So there's definitely a lot of that. But a man, two of them actually are what doom her. So I I think there's a little bit of an undercurrent here that women who are worried about their looks end up turning on their employees and ultimately murdered by the men in her company. So unfortunately, as much as I like to think it's a feminist tale, it's not like a woman kills her. So there's a little bit of this sort of, you know, look what dangers a woman in charge can do. Uh, thread, which, again, not out of character for the 50s.
0: Right. Well, and look what a woman will do to maintain her youthful appearance. Right. There is certainly that. None of the men were like, give me some of those injections. Matter of fact, one of the men, I think it was Bill, says to Mary, Hey, Gail, how about you get some of that on your face? Mary looks like she's 23. That's, you know, that's huge. I don't know whether I fall... Uh, what side of this issue I fall on as to whether this movie was saying women want to look young and will do anything that they can to get there, including kill and eat people, like undergo, you know, experiments on themselves and then hurt people in order to do so, or whether it was saying that it is society and the way that we structure things that is forcing women into this unfair expectations and this role where they feel that they have to do this in order because she was still the CEO. She still held all all of the power. What she looked like did not fucking matter, truly. They could have, you know what? If your marketing team can't figure out how to go and find somebody else to be the face of the brand, fire them and get a new marketing team. Because you should be able to do that. Like, she did. It did not have to be her.
1: And notably, other than the assistant, there's no other women in there, her or on the table, right? It's her. The assistant is there.
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple other women, but she addresses the room gentlemen every time, which yeah. is really so odd. The men
1: seem to be there with their, you know, with their secretaries or whatever. There's just doesn't, the, the men are all running. Like, she's all going to them. She's not going to women. So it's sort of an interesting thing because it's almost like, It never occurs to her to use a different model for the brand. It never occurs to her to mentor someone. And I think there's an an undercurrent implying that she wouldn't tolerate that in some way. And again, this is the Queen Bee, but we can't use Bee. (laughs) Uh, We're the the Queen Wasp. Queen Wasp conversation. So I I think there's a lot here that, you know, frankly, we're probably projecting. I think it's a monster movie with some shortcuts that it takes – but i do appreciate that it's something different it's it's definitely not your it, it's got standard monster tropes but it doesn't take the standard path together
0: yeah but here's the thing the movie could have been for whatever reason it was the wasp woman it could have been the wasp man and it could have been you get these injections and you get stronger i mean just as easily could could go the other way
1: it could but that comment the hilarious tagline of lusting. Yeah. There's a little bit of luridness yeah. in this, right? Yeah. So you got hot older woman wanting to be a hot younger woman. She's and only then, 32. Yep. Yeah, kills me.
0: Oh well and well, there's one other thing, there's a couple other things that happen in the movie, not integral to the plot, but it is why I say that if you're gonna look at a scale of feminist to not feminist this may sway it a little more feminist, is a couple of the office staff who are being harassed by men, and every woman knows how this goes, and this woman, she's she's from Brooklyn, and the Brooklyn comes out, and she lets these dudes have it, like the workmen, some delivery men, somebody on the phone, and she's basically like, you don't get to talk to me that way. Get out of my face. So these scenes weren't necessary to the plot in any kind of way. They could have been lifted directly out. The character does almost nothing except talk to Mary a couple of times and be there for Mary to bounce an idea off of. What if they catch me snooping? You know, what do you think happened to Cooper? So that that seemed very intentional. But I also don't know if it was the kind of thing where it's like, oh, look at this feisty young gal type of thing. Which can be its own patting on the head, uh, patronizing type of a thing. But it did kind of come off that she was pretty empowered and she wasn't going to put up with any shit. So it was interesting. Okay, so I have to go into the sad, bizarre, unresolved death of the main actress in the movie her name is Susan Cabot this is not gonna be uh funny at all but it's such a bizarre story that I can't see discussing this movie and not bringing this up uh so Susan Cabot played Janice Starling yes she was 32 years old where she played the fart the wow when she played this part it was in my notes this is turning out to be funny. Um, <laughs> but no, she her death was was actually really, really tragic.
1: Yeah.
0: Her son killed her in 1986. He told the police that she had attacked him and that he was acting in self-defense and he bludgeoned her with a barbell. He was found guilty of involuntary manslaughter. Originally... He had different stories about what happened. He said it was a burglar who killed his mother, but then later he can he confessed to what actually happened because they found the evidence. He didn't do a good job of, um, you know, uh, trying to cover it up or disguise it. So they found this, they figured it out pretty easily. So his name is Timothy, was, he, he has passed as well. And he had pituitary dwarfism and he received growth hormone treatment, which is an entirely valid, useful, and effective treatment. A lot of the stories that I read on this were blaming the growth hormone for causing mental distress in either or both of them because it seems that Susan may have also been taking the hormone. I'm not so sure. I could not find, for instance, a reputable physician who could comment on whether or not, in that time, whether growth hormone could cause those effects. Seemingly, maybe it could, but it was very rare. Today, growth hormone is used for for various disorders, growth disorders, and it works. And most recently, we saw there's a, a soccer player who had a genetic disorder that received growth hormone treatments and did very well. And he's a huge soccer star. So it seems like that part of the story may have been sensationalized, which I don't love because people who are living with these disorders deserve to have effective treatments and not to have it somewhere swirling around in the public consciousness that it may um, cause a mental disorder.
1: I feel like there were drugs and alcohol involved also, but I don't remember what the full... I don't know. Because there was something like he woke up, essentially, and they said, you know, saw her standing over him or something, and that she also suffered from mental illness, supposedly. I don't... There's a lot of rumors that were, you know, because this was highly sensationalized, but essentially you had two people, probably neither of them doing well, who had conflicts in the past, and one of them seems to have... Triggered the other. Maybe not even attacked is the right word. And whatever it was, it turned violent and turned into a domestic abuse assault. Yeah, but but,
0: but again, she was not a big woman. What went down was strange and really tragic. The house was in disrepair. Right. Um, it sounded like it may have been what we would call a hoarding situation. Right. This
1: wasn't sort of... I guess the my point I'm making is it wasn't like everything else was fine and this No,
0: happened. it wasn't like everything else was, was fine. But that doesn't mean that his treatment had anything
1: totally. to do with no, it. No, for sure. It, it
0: was very unsubstantiated, very But they both very...
1: had a lot of other problems. Yeah. Too, oh yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: You without the growth hormone you could have been like, That's well, what yeah, I'm so, like, why
0: yeah. but but people want to say, "Oh, it's this experimental treatment and da da da." You yeah. know, and I and I don't know that that was valid because look, you could say, but here's how you say it. You say it's unknown, et cetera. Et cetera. It seemed at the time they were blaming it on that, and that's what his lawyers did.
1: So was this her last movie before she died?
0: Uh, I'm not sure. I don't know.
1: Because it, it unfortunately... No, she it
0: didn't. It, this was like some years later.
1: Okay. Because the growth hormone parallel to the injections that she was taking also it's probably really... part of that sensationalization, right? Where yes. Where they're like, oh, look. Oh, of course they you pulled
0: know. that into it as well. Right, I mean, right. it was really terrible. And then... The last, the last super odd part of this story is that Timothy's father may have been, and again, I was just saying, let's not believe rumors about things, but here I'm going to tell you a rumor, but he may have been the son of King Hussein of Jordan. There's a timeline there that people put together that they're not really sure. It doesn't sound like anyone else ever stepped up and said that they were with Susan Cabot, and they could have been his father so she had money it was a big house etc so i don't know very strange and and tragic and she was a gorgeous woman and a good actress and it's really a very very much a shame what happened cindra Synthrop, you've got to help me something's happening Something's happening to me. I can't control it.
1: There's something I must remember, but I, I
0: can't. Try to think. The wasp enzymes. The, the extracts you, you were experimenting with before the accident. Try to think. I can't. Moving along. Uh, let's decide. Is this a horror movie or is it something else? Oh, me? Yeah. Yes. You. Yes. Is there anyone else here? I don't think the cat is going to respond. I
1: thought, thought you were going to say something. No. Like uh, yes, it's a horror movie.
0: It's a horror movie. Yeah, pretty standard monster of the week. On the YouTube video, there is uh, someone who commented that they saw this movie when they were young and it really did scare the pants off of them. <laughs>
1: well, and they a lot of people sleep. were disappointed by the because the cover has a wasp with a woman's head, a giant wasp. Um, and again, this was the age of sci-fi movies where, you know, there was a lot of atomic experimentation or something and you would, you would turn into a giant monster and, and, and rampage around the city. And that's not what happens. So um, there is a little bit of like, oh, it's going to be that kind of monster movie. It is. It's just not quite nearly as.
0: Well, she doesn't have wings.
1: No, she's just got a mask and two gloves.
0: <laughs> and we know it's her because she's wearing like a big necklace. And for the yeah. first time in the movie, she also wears black. When she turns into the wasp, like that's it.
1: You got to dress for the success. I
0: mean, they thought about that. They've thought about it.
1: Dress for the job you want.
0: Not the job you have. (laughs) 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 All right, let's give this movie some ratings. We're going to give it our own homegrown rating system that we just made up. We're going to give it knives, glasses of wine, and Screams. All right. Between zero and five knives, we're going to give a rating, and this will represent what the body count was, how scary it was, was it gory, or did it live up to its title? Mike, since you're the only other person in the room, (laughs) I'm going to start with you. I don't think the cat has much to say.
1: Uh, So we're starting with knives, right? Knives. Okay. 24 episodes.
0: (laughs) Always start with knives. Yes. Knives. Go. Knives. Zero and five. Um,
1: I, So there's murders, but they, they're they surprisingly clean. There's one bloody murder where you definitely see her bite a neck or something. Um, so this isn't really quite the murder fest. There's definitely screaming going on. Um, so this is not going to – like it should – I feel like it should probably be higher. Uh, presumably there are lots of reasons. One, Roger didn't feel like spending the money on all that blood. Um, two, I don't know what the ratings sort of situation was to get these in the theaters. It had to be just titillating enough to sort of be scary, gory, but not really. There's, there's more screaming off screen, I guess. So I'm going to give it three. Wow. All right. Well, I'm going to go by the body count.
0: Not as high as what we've seen in some movies. How scary was it? Uh, it was kind of scary. It was kind of scary. She looked scary, I think. Um, I mean, you could say even, even bad special effects can be scary, right? Okay. He's, Michael disagrees. (laughs) All right. Uh, was it gory there? I mean, you saw some deaths, so like, you got to give it that. All those deaths could have taken place off screen. Um, they did not. Did it live up to its title? It absolutely fucking did. I'm going to give it a four. I'm going to give it four knives.
1: We are not going to agree on this movie.
0: No, we are not. <laughs> you know, But uh, it would be boring if we did. It's
1: part of the romantic tension it's, between us. It's,
0: yeah. it's part of the push and pull, will they, won't they, that we have going on here. We're a
1: regular moonlighting here at oh, 50 TNS. All
0: right. So how many glasses of wine? Again, between zero and five glasses of wine. And the glasses of wine represent how fun it was to watch. Did it have any unique moments? What did it have? Did it have any, you know, what were the flavors of this movie? What do you think, Mike? How many glasses of wine? I feel like it's going to be low.
1: I can feel like, I can tell you're drinking wine because you're talking about flavors.
0: Had, I don't know what I'm drinking right now, but it is a very nice glass of wine. <laughs>
1: what's, what's the bouquet? Is it, what's what the you? bouquet? Yeah. Uh, I um, I did not enjoy this movie. I did not enjoy it. I, uh, Which is interesting. I actually enjoyed talking about it more than I enjoyed watching it. I am not a fan of Roger. I think we've I decided... talked about it for as long yeah. as the movie yeah. went on. We've easily now surpassed the duration of the film. Uh, I'm not a fan of Roger's work. I'm sorry, Mr. Corman. I don't, I I can tell when he stuffs the film and that really great. So like detecting is a great phrase. Um, there's a few of those kind of scenes where you're just like, what the hell are we doing here? We don't have a lot of time anyway um, that could be spent elsewhere. I didn't love it. it. It wasn't as entertaining as I wanted it to be. Um, I was not impressed with the special effects, so it gets too.
0: All right. Well, I am not going to disagree with your points, but I will say, in you know, I enjoyed watching this woman come in and command the everybody in the damn movie, tell them what to do to the point where they're afraid of her, snooping around on her behind her back, trying to figure out what the fuck is going on instead of going in and having a conversation with her. You know, literally nobody wanted to talk to her. That's how rough she was. She's scary. Um, And then seeing her office staff not put up with anything from these dudes that were coming in to just, like, do work on the building or whatever. Found that all enjoyable. And I liked some of the stylistic and sound choices that they made. And so I am going to give it three glasses of wine. All right. Now... Our last rating, our overall rating, is screams between zero and five screams. Mike, I will start with you. <laughs>
1: not the cat, okay? Um, not the cat. <laughs> I. So I, I have to say, the more I talk about it, the more I like the concept. Like I felt like there was a lot of raw material here that was good. I, whether or not it was intentional is probably up to interpretation. But I, I do think it was there was some good raw, raw material here to elevate it beyond the two that I probably normally give it. So I'm willing to give it a three. Um, But I don't think it's that great. I just, it's more because of the pacing and some of the other things. There's two things that are are really tense that don't get used. One of them is there's really no factor to suddenly push her over the edge to inject herself massively. I would have loved a scene where they say, we're facing financial ruin tomorrow. Oh my God, like this is it. The whole company's like, we just never get a compelling argument that she's really pushed to this level because it starts out slow. And in some ways it starts out reasonable, And the film does almost talks itself out of this whole violent combat at the end. So unfortunately, that I think robs it a little bit. And then the other thing, too, is there's actually this threat that this was going to be shared all over the world. (laughs) they were going to sell this and we never get there. I love that idea that, um, you know, like, what do they do about this? Do they just lie about it and hope no more werewolves don't get created or that it was already on the market? And then they're, you know, trying to deal with it. So, unfortunately, there was a lot of opportunity here that just, the narrative tension just wasn't there. I feel like there was a glimmer, but they just had to get their monster on the screen. So, they just said, screw it. We're just going to, you know, have her show up. And somebody and then somebody throw acid at her head, which I didn't even know why that was necessary. So, there was always a couple of weird stylistic choices that I just didn't feel like gave us what we wanted, um, unfortunately.
0: It is interesting that at the end of the movie, they, they know that it's Janice. I I believe that they know that it's Janice, although mm, nobody ever says that. But who else would it be, right? I mean, just like, e- even if you only had 10 seconds to put that together, you probably should have. But at no point do the two men try to get away from her and save her life. They just kind of, and, and not like try to subdue her You know, it wasn't like she was this super powerful monster that was definitely going to get the best of them, you know, of three people. Admittedly, Dr. Zinthrop was not doing well, but no plan to like, let's run out of the lab, let's hinder her in some way. No, it was immediately, let's just push her out the window. But you know what? I hadn't seen this movie before, which kind of surprised me because I am surprised that I did not see it on like the Saturday matinee. Yeah. As a girl in Detroit on, you know, your channel fifty that you watched some cartoons on channel two or four or seven in the morning and in the afternoon you turned over to channel fifty and you watched some horror movie of the week or Albus Abbott and Costello or something something like that. That's where I saw a lot of, you know, these type of horror movies. Like I think it probably would have scared the pants off of me too at that time. Um so yeah, I'm gonna give it three. I'm going to give it three screens. So we ended
1: up back in the same
0: kind of, after yeah, all that.
1: That's funny. Overall,
0: I mean, yeah. had to take some points off because it came it came so close to just stepping over that line and being like, here's what it is. We shouldn't be prizing beauty in this way. It, can, it just, they went right up to that line. Yeah. In the film classes that I have attended in my youth, I was taught that everything is there for a reason. Like, everything is discussed and gone over and put there for a reason. So if you're seeing it, I mean, unless it's a goof, it is there for a reason. So that saying, I don't really know that that's what the filmmaker intended, eh, you know, filmmakers often are ambiguous in what they present. They want you to interpret the art. They don't want to make, I think sometimes they just don't want to make a statement because that might make somebody not want to watch their movie, depending on which statement that you're making, but that everything that's there is intentional. So that's why I'm going to say, I think that it offered some points of empowerment, but at the end of the day, the message may have been women, when they're losing their looks can be dangerous and have to be dealt with. So three screams. This movie ended up being heavy for a monster movie.
1: We really got into this.
0: (laughs) You know what? I don't think... After 24 episodes... (laughs) Everyone should know that that's absolutely the way this would go down. Yeah, that's
1: true. (laughs) Is there nothing we won't dissect for like an hour and a half? I
0: can't leave well (laughs) enough alone. All right. Okay, Mike. You have developed a character for use in tabletop role playing games based on this movie. Can't imagine who will it be? Will it be the Watchman? Will it be the pipe smoking chemist? <laughs> will it be the ostensibly Russian mad scientist? Could Eccentric scientist. Could it be, Thank could you it very be much. <laughs> the middle management who goes and fires the mad scientist? Mike, tell me who this character is.
1: Well, you've ruined it now. <laughs> What's really fun, I slipped up because I started calling her the Werewolf, so that I just completely gave away what I was planning. So, yeah, so I love this concept uh, for a few things. It, it, this is not the first time. It won't be the last time that I, I feel like the movie poster deserves more credit in the creation of this. So th- a werewasp, so this is not a person. This is a species because I... Why not? Because frankly, if you can make one, you can make more than one. So the idea is this werewasp. First of all, we are continuing the story that Janice's company does actually get the makeup out into the world through a face cream. And therefore, there are more werewasps out there. And the idea being that it does turn you into a werewasp. But it turns you into two different kinds. You have a different form. You can turn in from a uh, humanoid, as you saw Two, two gloves and a mask or you can turn into what the movie poster shows which is a human-headed giant uh wasp uh, th- uh thing whatever that is hybrid so it's it's meant to be sort of a, a combination of things here where you have a character because anybody could be one right um often it's women but there's no reason it can't be men and it does have a drone ability it's funny because I actually put that in later I was like, oh my gosh, that droning goes on so much. You cannot have that ability and just... You can't ignore that as a sound effect. Even though, like, you know, we think that's part of the movie. We don't know you're actually hearing the droning. But I like the idea that that's part of it. And, of course, uh, it's... You know, they can change shape, So they could be anywhere. They could be anyone. And uh, they're wasps. So they sting and bite uh, because wasps are assholes, as we've established. So what more do you need?
0: Yeah, I don't know. And, you know, for a wasp, I mean you know, those, those assholes will live anywhere, right? Yeah. So, like, where could you see the the werewasp living? What kind of what kind of scenarios might a character encounter her?
1: Well, one of the things that I, again, I, I felt it was a huge plot point that was, an opportunity that was missed was the idea of this spread of makeup, right? So that, that this concept where you essentially have something contaminated that is turning people. So this isn't sort of your werewolf story, um, this is a scenario where you could have a, a noble court completely turn to werewasp all because they're using this cream. But, and by the way, it does de-age you, right? So that's the other thing is it, it works. Um, so it's a, it's a dual, very compelling drug, essentially, that is quite dang- has some dangerous side effects. So, yeah, uh, once word gets out that this face cream uh, de-ages you, you'll have 30 werewolves in a week. Right. So it can be anywhere. It can, but it certainly I sort of always envisioned it as because if it otherwise is where taking over the whole city. So I imagine it happening in sort of like an isolated castle or somewhere where there's um, groups of people who are influential. And frankly, by the way, especially if you're using a fantasy campaign for Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition being one of the primary examples, it's probably nobles then who are interested in, in uh, makeup. So th- that idea of this whole castle having a dark secret. Um, within a very short t- time, and before it gets shipped off and more is made, I think is a very compelling plot point for characters to try and stop.
0: All right, what about stats? How is this statted?
1: So, giant killer wasp, right? So strong, um, pretty healthy, maybe not as uh, smart and wise for necessarily, but highly charismatic. I mean, that's one of the things that's really important is, is okay, look, the, the, the wasp head, <laughs> or the wasp, uh, wasp-headed humanoid or the humanoid-headed wasp, neither of those are particularly attractive, but the person in their day-to-day should be. Uh, that's part of the, both the benefits of the makeup and also because they probably are attractive people who care about their looks. So um, they're highly charismatic, and that's part of the challenge, right? These are not um, these are not sort of just monsters roaming a field. They're probably high society folks who are quite influential and quite charismatic and therefore are not easy to just sort of stop. Um, you know, as we saw in the movie, Janice, we think, we're pretty sure, she's well aware of what she's doing. So you can imagine for every person who's horrified about what's happening, there are probably people who are quite happy to just keep going as long as they can use the cream and by day look or during their <laughs> chill moments be very happy to, uh, to join the benefits of youth.
0: Right, so... In the movie, the situation is sort of self-limited. We don't know what would have happened to Janice had the treatment stopped and she been allowed to to live, essentially. How do you envision that this would play out? Because it seems to me that if people kept using the cream, like it's going to de-age you, but it had all these other effects, like how long could the human body go go on doing that?
1: Yeah. So Dungeons and Dragons has some rules for lycanthropy. So that's what this would be considered. So there's some ways around this, like you can magically deal with it, but basically I do create rules where essentially you get headaches like Janice did uh, and you have to make intelligence saving throws whenever you have to make concentration. And if you're angry, you can be triggered into turning into the wasp. So, um, and then if you don't uh, apply the makeup, you actually start, you lose control of the wasp. That's the other piece, right? So, um, there's two pieces here. One, Janice is getting headaches. The other, though, is that she doesn't seem to be able to, like, it's getting worse because she's not getting the injections, right? So um, the, the idea here is the face cream, if you don't have a steady supply, you start turning into the werewolf. So there's also a compelling sort of need to keep the supply going. Um, so I, I think it, it, we try to set up rules where essentially the characters are highly motivated to keep this under control and to keep the face cream coming. So hopefully that sets up some interesting plots and adventures.
0: Yeah, because two more things just occurred to me. That this plot line of the movie could also be a metaphor for substance abuse. Absolutely. And people, the idea that you have to keep using more, and then once you start, you can't stop, and and all of that. And... If you've got people who have money and power doing this kind of thing, they could hide it and disguise it probably for a while. And the idea that if you have money and power, that you can hide all sorts of secrets, no matter what those secrets are, sort of Elizabeth Bathory style.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and that's sort of what I'm hinting at here, especially because again, makeup is not so, like modern times makeups much more common, right? We're talking about fantasy world where makeup may not be as, as or certainly this kind of makeup because presumably it's expensive. So you add all that together and it, it does really set up a situation where the nobles, look, the, the rich are eating the poor, essentially.
0: Literally, not just figuratively. <laughs> all right, Mike. That's, it's really compelling. <laughs> like,
1: I don't know how to end this one.
0: <laughs> I know. It's just, you know what, there's, it's funny because my mind starts automatically start putting together ideas for plots, ways that this could be used, what it might mean in the context of a game, how it might support another character's arc, either a, a, a an NPC who could be a villain or could not, or, you know, a PC who, I mean, we've played with some PCs who were villainous or who, you know, just decided to do their own thing in their own way. The party does not always get along and align and do things Sometimes people turn on one another. So, <laughs> and we
1: play Dungeons and Dragons. We have a, a semi-weekly, whenever we can make it work, uh, game. So, you know, it's funny because uh, I think you've mentioned it once or twice that you play in it, but and I'm the DM. Uh, there's no way this won't show up in future adventures. There's no way not not even this character. I mean, we have fifty to choose from, but I've learned a lot. This has been a uh, very educational um, sort of platform for creating villains by creating fifty of them. And this is just one example of how rich a one-hour movie can give you plot ideas. So don't worry. Your character will be facing some of this stuff soon enough. And then you'll be like, son of a I – w- I knew this was cool. You know
0: what? And that's the thing is that I will know what's going on. And then the other player characters, if they have not kept up with you know the copious amounts of content that we turn out, um, may not what's going, know what's going on. Although a couple of them absolutely will.
1: Yeah, we know. Because
0: I know who's going to keep up with it and who's going to know what's happening. I know it's almost not fair for me to play in your game because sometimes I just know what's going on.
1: It won't help you.
0: Although you do make the NPCs (laughs) attack my character a
1: lot. It's not my fault if you cast fireballs all the time. That's what's going to happen.
0: You know what? It's not my fault for being born a mage sorceress. (laughs) That specializes wow. in fire. That's We're just, just how dealing it is. with the consequences of her actions. I just—I was born this way. <laughs> Come on, man! Magic, shame me. All right, that'll do it for episode twenty-four of Fifty Date Night Screams. If you're still here, <laughs> reviewing the Wasp Woman from nineteen fifty-nine. All right. Until next time, we will. All keep screaming in one way <laughs> or another.
1: Take care, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to 50 Date Night Screams. Be sure to check the show notes to learn where you can watch this movie for free. The quality isn't always the best when streaming, so we've also included a link to where you can purchase it. You can also get much more information, including the characters from this and all the Fifty Date Night Screams episodes, at slash talion Until next time, don't stop screaming. Fifty Date Night Screams is a production of Malintel Enterprises. It is written, produced, and directed by Amber and Mike Tresca.